Hi guys, I'm back <laughs> with an emergency broadcast situation. Okay, there's been so much going on in the headlines surrounding Harry and Meghan that we need to discuss. So please excuse all the jumps and bumps in the recording. I'm not a technical expert, but that's not what you're here for. That's not what we're here for. We're here to get things off our chest because many of us have reached the tipping point. So stick around because I'm going in. All right, guys, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> we're talking about Harry and Meghan. And we're going right back to the beginning. We're going to start with pre-date. Pre-first date. Um, let me just preface this by saying there's three kinds of people in the world. There's the ones with world's colored glasses. There are the ones that see everything dark. And then there are the realists. And I fall into the realist category. And this podcast is really for those people. <laughs> uh, or to convert the ones with rose-colored glasses. I don't want to convert you because I want you to be happy. And we need your type in the world. But we also need realists. So this is where we're going to get real. <laughs> All right. Starting from the beginning. Pre-date. Pre-first date. Um... Megan was living in Toronto and let's just say moves were made to put Megan in a better light before that first date with Harry. I'm just going to say that and you're going to have to trust me. All right. So moves were made to make Megan seem even better when first meeting Prince Harry. As if her charm and good looks weren't enough. But anyways. Um, then fast forward to they start dating. They were introduced by I believe Misha Nono who's a, a British designer. Uh, they were introduced by her. They went on two dates, two nights in a row. And then a few weeks later they met up in Africa which must have been crazy romantic. And they got very close and they fell head over heels. And that led to where we are today. So then let's fast forward to the engagement interview, which I went back and watched. Now, I have to say that the first time I watched the interview, I was like, wow, they look great. She looks great, of course. And it was, you know, very well done. It was very tasteful. I did notice that Megan was sitting there holding both of Harry's hands in a motherly way. She was like cupping him and soothing him, cupping his hand and soothing him in a very motherly way. And I've looked into the psychology of this and, and many of the other things they've done. And basically, Megan is somewhat of a mother figure to Harry. And not solely a mother figure, but also a mother figure, um, which makes sense because Harry lost his mother. So there's that that I noticed. The second thing I pulled from that interview that I found a bit 
disingenuous, let's say, is when she said that she really didn't know who Harry was prior to the date. Um, She said, you know, I'm American. It's not really a big thing over there. And then uh, cut to a photo of her sitting in front of Buckingham Palace with a friend when she's about 14 or 15 on a class trip. (laughs) So, okay, you didn't know too much, but you have been to Buckingham Palace. You must know a little bit, and America isn't that clued out. But okay. So the second time, this time watching the interview... I was listening to what they were saying. Megan was being asked, so how's the family and how have they welcomed you? How's it been? Oh, they've been wonderful. They've been great. And what about the queen? How was the queen? Oh, she's amazing. Okay, at this point, they had already been dating a year and a half, I believe, when they got engaged. So that's a long amount of time to get to know the family. She was also living with Harry on the palace grounds for a long time before they got engaged. So she must have been pretty familiar with the family and the way things ran. And and as a matter of fact, Harry mentions in that interview, you know, I was worried. I was saying to her, are you sure you know what you're getting into? But she she knows and, you know, I'm so glad and we're going to do great things together. So it's right there in the interview that she knew what she was getting into. He warned her. He conditioned her. He showed her. She had met the queen. She had been with the queen on Christmas which that's the first time somebody that wasn't engaged was allowed to the queen's house at Christmas. So they went out of their way to be nice to her, to be honest, from what we're seeing. These are facts. These are facts. So then we come to the wedding. Come on. Three days before, there was a whole three-ring circus with her family. Okay. It, 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 it was embarrassing. The royal family in a huge world stage with tons of people to handle your press and your PR and how things go down. And the whole thing with her father and he staged these, he got these stage photographs because he, he didn't like the way he was being portrayed in the media, which in all fairness, he wasn't being portrayed well. He was being portrayed like he was a slob, like he didn't care, like he, like he was uh, a slob basically. And the twisted sister, who really is twisted, went in and told her father, yeah, do this, do this, get these pictures, get the, get, get, let's change the narrative. Because her sister, let's face it, is jealous of Megan. That's why she did it. And her father, like an old fool, God forgive me, but that's what he seems to have become, went along with the sister. Now, Megan got engaged without ever her father ever meeting Harry a year and a half and your father hasn't even met him why what are you hiding you know her father you could say a lot of things about the man but he also nurtured her as a child he also raised the Meghan Markle we know who's educated and well-spoken and does philanthropy when she was a child Megan wrote to I don't know, one of the dishwashing liquid companies. She saw a commercial where they 
said, you know, women across America are doing dishes, da, da, da. And she said to her dad, why are they saying women? Like, why can't men? They say men too. Like, men do dishes too. Like, that's so wrong, da, da, da. And her father said to her, well, sweetheart, why don't you write them a letter? Why don't you write the company a letter and tell them what you think? So she did. Well, that company turned around and changed the commercial. Changed the commercial from this letter, which Megan spoke about when she, I believe she went to the United Nations at one point and and spoke and she talked about when this happened to her. And I believe that happening to her was a pivotal moment in her, in the trajectory of her life. It showed her that she does have a voice and she can have a voice. And it showed her that she can get a lot of attention too. <laughs> this can, this can, look what I did. Like I've got, I can have power here. This is, I like this. I mean, anybody would feel like that. I'm not blaming her for it, but I do think it set her on a certain path that she's been following ever since. So, okay, moving on. So that was her father who encouraged her to um, stand up for herself, stand up for her beliefs, and to do something about it. That was her father who she's not talking to, hasn't talked to in like two years. So... Moving on, the engagement, you know, that whole circus, if that had been handled differently, like, like, Megan, go see your father, go see him and go see him in person with Harry, talk to him, get things down, get him, get him sorted, explain to him what it's going to be like before your twisted sister got in there. That didn't, that whole pre-wedding fiasco didn't have to go down either the way it did, but the family the family stood behind her. Prince Charles walked her down the aisle. Everybody pretended like everything was normal. It wasn't. It wasn't normal from the beginning, you guys. It wasn't. There was red flags popping up left, right, and center. And up until really recently, I've been trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the events of the last week put me over the tipping point. I mean, I just have to say it like I see it and like how many people see it. I've listened to interviews on both sides and you cannot deny that things have been handled in a way that's aggressive and didn't have to be handled this way. They didn't have to leave the UK the way they left. I don't blame them for leaving, but there had to be a better way. There had to be. So... We had the wedding and then, you know, things were seemingly not too bad, not too good. You could tell there was a bit of tension brewing between the two couples, between Harry, Meghan, William and Kate, because every time uh, Meghan appeared, she was magnetic and she knows her fashion and she knows how to work a, a carpet, an interview and everything else. Where Kate's just a simple English girl, really. She couldn't compete with that magnetism, frankly, being honest. And there should have been ways to work around that too. You have teams of people advising you and encouraging you and no wonder half of, half of those people were fired or let go or quit because they didn't like the way 
they were being told to do things. Which, come on, there has to be, there had to be a better way. There was a better way. We all know there has to be a better way. So then the big split, which was dramatic to say the least. Again, hate to repeat myself, it didn't have to be done that way, but it was. And then I said, okay, it's too late. We can't go back now. And ever since that, they have moved to California. As we know, they moved to Montecito. I don't think that's an accident. It's one of the most prestigious enclaves. They live right near Oprah Winfrey. They could have moved to anywhere in California, in, in the Los Angeles area. They could have went to Malibu. They could have went to Brentwood. They could have went to Beverly Hills. They could have went, but they went to Montecito where Oprah is. They went to where it works best. Maximum impact. So... All right, I lost my train of thought as usual. So now we have part two. Hopefully there won't be a part three. (laughs) Two's enough for me. Um, So they moved to California, living in California. They've been very visual. We've seen them a lot in a variety of uh, Zoom meetings, calls, headlines. They've been involved in so many charities, which I love that part about them. Um, By the way, the royal family is still while Prince Philip 99 is in the hospital. Um, Queen Elizabeth has been uh, putting her head down, doing work. She's been doing stuff for the Navy, apparently. Prince Charles has been doing for um, minorities who are disadvantaged during the coronavirus. He's been speaking on that. And this is all going on while... Prince Philip is in the hospital and all this other drama is going on on the side. So, yeah, they've been speaking about their charities, which is great. They haven't been out of sight for very long, more than a week, I'd say. And starting about two weeks ago, there was a whole, an entire slew of big, big headlines, beginning with Megan having a miscarriage, which is terrible, obviously. Um... She went on to write an essay for the New York Times all about her miscarriage and how it was and how it is for women and so on and so forth. In that article, she says that women sort of um, are, it's a taboo subject to talk about miscarriages and that sometimes women are shamed. I would have to fully, wholeheartedly disagree. When a woman has a miscarriage, generally a couple, generally they only tell their friends and family because it's something you want to keep private. It's not something you want to be reminded of when you don't want to be reminded of it if the whole world knows because it's so painful. It has nothing to do with being taboo or shamed. Women don't talk about it because they don't want to talk about it to everybody. There is no taboo around it. And in my opinion, that was just another excuse to get into the New York Times, a wide-reaching mainstream media outlet. Mm-hmm. 
But overall, it was sad to hear about her miscarriage. In any case, at the end of the day. Um, Then, moving along, about a week ago, she won her privacy infringement case against the Mail on Sunday. Which, great, yes, certain things should be kept private. But then turn around to hear you're going to do an Oprah interview and Oprah's best friend Gail rushes onto the morning show and says about the interview that all questions are on the table. So which one is it? Is it privacy or all questions are on the table? (laughs) I'm not the first one that's asking this because there is a conflict here. They're not going to get privacy. They're never going to get privacy. Not the, You know who has privacy? George and Amal Clooney. Friends of yours. Amal Clooney doing work all over the world. You don't see her sitting down with Oprah. Or, or, or we don't know what she's working on right now. She's probably saving lives left, right, and center. And we know nothing about it. She's probably in Miramar right now. Miramar where they're having the horrific takeover again. Um... You don't have to talk about it. Just do it. So she won her privacy case. And, you know, people were like, okay, good. Good for her. That's that's good. I was even glad because you shouldn't be publishing private letters. So um, then, you know, you have, it's this constant back and forth. It's like, okay, well, she's right. They, they shouldn't infringe her. You know, I've, I've had my moments where I've like tried to walk the line and see their side. And but they always turn around and do something that's ridiculous. So after that, she won that. And then we had the big baby announcement. And I mean, there hasn't been a baby announcement so blown up. I mean, it's bigger than any baby, royal baby announcement. It came accompanied with a picture and the photo was full of symbolism. Even the person who remotely took the photo was the first black photographer to ever shoot a UK Vogue cover. In the photo, they were lying in front of the Tree of Life. Uh, the dress Megan was wearing, the date they announced it on. They wanted to pay homage to to Harry's mother who also announced his pregnancy on Valentine's Day but it's also a great way to score brownie points like it's everything is so packaged perfectly it's too much you're gonna hear me say too much too much (laughs) so we had the baby which the packaging of the announcement over overtook the actual announcement. I'm actually almost forgetting that they're having another baby, which is a beautiful thing. I love that their son is going to have a sibling. I love that. I love that they're having a rainbow baby. It's even more special if you've just lost a baby. So it's a beautiful thing, a miracle of life. I'm happy about that. But all I'm thinking about is the pictures. It was splashed all over the place including the Daily Mail, which is where they sued. And I was wondering, like, are they allowed to use that photo? And Piers Morgan, who can be an ass, we know that. But he said he also brings up good points at times. He said that they actually didn't have to let them. They could have actually stopped them from using that picture, but they didn't. I don't know if it's true or not, 
But if it is true that they didn't have to let them use that picture to splash all over, and everybody knows that everybody looks at the Daily Mail maybe more than any other any other media, then that is the height of hypocrisy. Suing them for privacy, but yet you want them to put out your announcement and photo, perfect photo. So the baby announcement and then 20, 24, within 24 hours, we find out that Harry called his grandmother to officially say that they were stepping back. He called her one month shy of the 12 months that were agreed on. And why do I think he called a month shy? He called a month shy because he wanted to call before the interview. Because if he had, if the interview had aired and then the palace announced, that's it. Basically, Harry wanted to be the one to make it look like they were stepping away and not that they were being kicked out. That's what that whole one month before was all about. They wanted the upper hand and they always get it which kills me. So they make that announcement and the queen puts out a statement. She says, uh, Harry has informed me they're leaving. More in more paraphrasing has informed me that they're leaving. Um, That means they can no longer perform their public duties. Uh, You can't have it both ways, essentially. And uh, we're going to be taking away his patronages. But we love him as a family. We still love that. We, we love them both. So taking away the royal pat- patronages, people might think that's mean. Ter- Harry's military patronages, the rugby patronages. It's not mean. It's what the queen has to do. The queen gives out patronages to people when they marry or move up or become royal like she handed uh, Megan some patronages it's like a gift and yeah she took back her gift because it's like her jewels yeah she lends them to people but if you're out of the royal family you don't get to keep the jewels they stay in the family and then they get moved on to somebody else same with the patronages they stay in the family and they get moved on to somebody else these patronages have been around for 50 60 years some of them So it was a normal standard operating procedure that Harry knew was coming. But no, no, he couldn't let his grandmother have five minutes or his grandfather that's in the hospital at 99. He couldn't let them have five minutes. I forget what the amount of time was. I think it was three minutes later or 24 minutes later. They issued a retort which said, public you can lead a life of service no matter what which is true but why did you have to do that why did you have to I feel like I got slapped in the face can you imagine if it was his family honestly you guys it was too that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me okay That was rude and unnecessary, in my opinion. Again, there had to be another way to respond or wait a bit. Something. You don't have to publicly disrespect the queen like that. The queen queen wasn't disrespecting you. She said she loved you guys both, but that she had to cut royal ties because you're not working for them anymore. (sighs) So... 
then um, let's go back to the interview. It's 90 minutes, prime time. It'll be after airing after 60 minutes. And that is the prime time spot on network television. An hour and a half. Can you imagine how many bombs are going to be dropped? Whether it's reading in between the lines or said straight out. Which, speaking of saying things straight out, they are going to say something straight out. They are. Because when they were being interviewed in South Africa by Harry's good friend Tom Bradby. Which, by the way, those questions were pre-planned. It was not off the cuff. Megan knew the question she was going to be asked. And the question was, as she was standing in South Africa, yards away from abject poverty, how are you doing? Is it, you know, is it fair to say you're doing okay? To which she responded, no. And thank you for asking. Okay, I understand you just had a baby, which is difficult and tiring. You are in this firestorm of the royal family. It's a new life for you. You're traveling a lot. You're tired. It's all a lot. The press is all over you. I get it. But you're standing in South Africa. You've just finished visiting all kinds of impoverished people. It's be God forbid it would be like me standing in Syria and saying and somebody asking me, so how's life? Besides the fact that there's all kinds of shit, crappy things going on in my life and everybody and everybody else's right now and things in everybody's life at all times, let's be honest. I'm standing in Syria where all hell is breaking loose and I and, and somebody asked me, So how are you doing? Well, not that great. Really? <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't. I can't. I can't let you have this one, Megan. I can't. I can't. Can you guys? <laughs> Do you understand? You're standing. I understand if they if they asked him what she was sitting at home and like your your mind's not there. But when you're just finished visiting all these poor people and it, you're surrounded by it, how are you just how are you going to sit there and complain about how hard your life is? Let's just think about that. Let's just really think about that. It's just, I can't, I can't. So Megan is going to open the interview with Oprah and not Harry. And to me, this is it's something to point out because to me, this is the point where you're going to see Harry playing part B to, to Megan's part A. I, I had a feeling things were going to go this way. And I think Harry, he didn't realize he thought the queen would let him keep his patronages, which was foolish to believe. And that's where he shines independently. But as far as the two of them, the focus is on her in America. Let's be honest. Okay? She's the one we're listening to and want to see and look at and her fashion and her smile and her beautiful way of speaking. Harry too, they're saying, you know, he's happier now. He's in California. They're having another baby. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. If you look at 
videos, pictures of Harry in the past years before he got married. Laughing, joking, jovial Harry all the time. There are, it'd be hard to find a picture of him where he's not happy and in a good mood. Um, Find a picture of him in the last three or four years since he's been married. Try finding a picture of him where he's happy and jovial there. Almost impossible. The other day I saw one and it actually stood out because he was. He was being, uh, he was recording with James Corden uh, also for a primetime uh, sweeps week. And you try laughing when James Corden's, in, you try not laughing when James Corden is interviewing you. Of course he's going to be laughing <laughs> because he's funny. But that said, I do also want to mention as a footnote, James Corden has a horrific reputation as a human being. And he's actually one of Harry's good friends and was at their wedding. Um, I know some people that have been in the James Corden audience that were like shocked by how awful he was to people. And the fact that him and Harry are good friends, I don't like, it's not a good look. (laughs) That in itself is not a good look. But anyways, all right, we'll let, we'll let that go. Um, so Harry being happy, I don't know. I don't buy it. I think he's getting there. I don't think he'll ever get there and be truly happy. I think he's going to end up like his, um, I don't know, great uncle. It was his, uh, the Windsors, who, uh, the man who abdicated the throne for an American divorcee. I mean, the parallel in the two stories are unbelievable. And it was the Queen's uncle who abdicated the Windsors, Wallace and Edward. And they also thought that they could sort of uh, take part somewhat in the royal family after they left. And they couldn't. And they basically lived a life of misery. (laughs) They were very unhappy. They couldn't believe sort of that they had been outcast. Um, I do think in a way that that Megan's trying to like purposefully change that narrative and she doesn't want Harry to end up like that but I think he will undoubtedly you cannot no matter who you are even if you're Meghan Markle with her family no matter who you are you cannot be at peace unless you're at peace with your family that's what I believe in and and that's I'm sticking to it so I think of Princess Diana always wanting you can only imagine that she wanted her boys to stick together the world wants those boys to stick together and everything that harry and megan are doing is making it impossible every move they make is making it worse i don't think harry's gonna be happy for a long time not if you get to the root of it i don't care if we see him laughing or smiling I look beyond that. I I look into the psychology of things and I think about when Harry's mother, Princess Diana, I've watched several videos of her and I've seen her say in them a few times, she said when the kids were little, the kids were still small and she was speaking, she said, I don't worry about William. It's Harry I worry about. And she was right. 
She was right. A mother knows. And I think if Princess Diana was still here, she would have agreed with Meghan and Harry leaving the royal family. I think she would have agreed and encouraged and been there for them. But I know she would have steered them in a better direction as to how they did it. I know she'd be steering them in a better direction as to right now how they're handling things. We didn't need this one 90-minute interview, which, by the way, has been in the works for a long, long time, probably since Oprah attended their wedding, which Oprah had only met Megan once prior to the wedding, but she was giving front and center seating at the wedding. So, these talks, it's openly known, it's not just me saying it or guessing it. The talk about this, inter- the, the plans for this interview have been ongoing for a long time. They were, waiting for the, they were waiting for the right moment. And what a moment. What better moment to see Megan sitting there with child. What better way better time to garner empathy and the support of the public than seeing her sit there cradling a baby bunch. People like me, the realists, we're going to be called mean for saying all these things. I really don't care. I'm not being mean. I'm a realist. I want the best for them. I truly want the best for them. And I know that they're going to give the world really good things. I know a lot of good is going to come from them. But the rift between the brothers and that whole mess, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, A husband or a wife, both of them should be helping each other to reconcile with their families. Instead, they're building walls. They're putting walls up. And Megan, I hate to say she's known for this. She's banished her family. She banished her first husband. She's banished friends. When she doesn't like something, she just cuts it off. And we're talking about the royal family. You're cutting off history. You know, I don't like it. I don't like the looks of everything. I don't like it at all. There's got to be a better way. I would never want them to split up, split up a family. I know they're in love. and, and, And I hope it stays that way forever. But the way things are being handled, it's all to me, it's all coming from ego and it's very sensationalized and Americanized and packaged social media, everything's planned and contrived and people with rose-colored glasses are just loving it and think it's great and nah, nah, nah. I'm an old-fashioned girl with old-fashioned values and... I look beyond the surface and beyond the headlines. And that's what I see. That's what I see, you guys. I I don't know. This interview is going to... I wish it wasn't going to happen, to be honest. I wish it wasn't going to happen. We we know why they left. We know, To me, this is just to garner attention. And frankly, it's a bit distasteful, I think, um, they could do it at another point when they're not so hostile, when they didn't just reply to the queen in a hostile way. 
Do it after you have the baby. Do it after Archwell Foundation is doing well. Do it after you've released a few of your projects. Show us what you're doing. Show, show us the results of what you're doing. Let the work speak for itself. How about that? That's all I'm saying, you guys. You let me know what you think. Let me know. Was I too much or am I, am I spot on? <laughs> I don't know. Time will tell. I'm probably going to watch that interview and feel like I was too hard on them. Or I might watch the interview and say, nope. Yep. This is what I expected. This is what we expected. But we'll see. Time will tell. We'll be at the edge of your seats. Get your popcorn. And the next podcast on this topic, God knows how long it's going to be. <laughs> That's it. All right, guys, just a couple more things. I know that was a lot already. Hello. Um, I wanted to add that one. I said their ego is playing a huge role in this, but... I want to also place some blame on their PR team. I think the Sussex's PR team is going way too hard. And I think they need to regroup and rethink how they're doing things because this is not a good look. Um, The way I feel, I know a lot of people out there feel the same as me. And it's hard to forget now a lot of the stuff that has gone down. I shudder to think what... It's going to be like after the interview, but I really wish that a light bulb went off in their heads one day and they realized that things can be done differently. And that's the day when we will rejoice and get a happy podcast over here. Um, I also wanted to mention the sit down interview they're doing. I was saying, you know, it's feeding into them and they're they want attention. It's also, of course, because they have to support all the deals that they have made with Spotify, with Netflix, and all their future endeavors. This is all going to bring attention to that and support that and keep the attention there, keep the money moving. Um, so, of course, it's, it's a huge coup for them at the same time. We know that. It's, it's, it's serving so many purposes and it's going to cover all those bases. It's going to cover every base and more. Um, and I just want to say once again, my passion, it stems from the rift in the brother's relationship. It's heartbreaking. We all loved Princess Diana and we know what she would have wanted. This isn't it. So that's where the passion stems from. I know a lot of you feel the same way. Some of you may not, but just know that it's not coming from an evil place or a super mean place it's coming from let's fix this instead of make it worse there's not enough bandages in the world right now anyways that's it guys i hope you got something from this i appreciate you tuning in please follow me on instagram if you don't at tana underscore D'Amico, and we'll talk soon bye guys